You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are in week number two of a series that we're calling A New Way to Be Human. And this series is a response um, to a survey that we gave our church on Easter. And we just asked you a question, simply, if, if, you, if, if we could do a series, what would, you, what would help you the most? And the number one answer was, get this, emotional health. And so this series really is in response to the answer of that survey. And a lot of the content of this series is actually from this book um, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I highly recommend it, especially uh, if you want to just kind of dive a little bit more into this content, you can take this and read this. And I would love for you to be able to pick up that book. But the major theme of this book is this quote from theologian Dallas Willard, where he says that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. That's kind of the big idea of this book, that hurry, always being in a rush, is the great enemy of our spiritual life in our day. And here's the problem. We live in a world where hurry, where that is normal. And we talked about this last week, that Houston, we have a problem that we need to realize there is a massive problem because we live in a world where we are often addicted to being busy. And we often live our lives in this constant rush, always on the go, always maxed out, living with no margin, which ends up leaving us tired, exhausted, often running on fumes, or even sometimes being empty and burned out and just worried, anxious, or even full-blown depressed. And this lifestyle, it is normal. But also this normal lifestyle is also toxic. It's also very destructive. Psychologists even have a term for this now and medical professionals and mental health professionals, and they call it hurry sickness. They actually call it a disease of lifestyle. And I found this quote this week uh, preparing for this message, and I thought it perfectly articulated what we're talking about in this series. And it says, when our innate human restlessness collides with the digital age and a culture of accomplishment and accumulation, the result is an epidemic of emotional unhealth and spiritual death. And maybe today you find yourself watching online or at church and you would say, that actually describes your life right now. Like that's what it looks like. That's what you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis, this emotional unhealth and even spiritual death. And if that's you, please look me in the eyes because I got some really good news. That can change. That doesn't have to be your life. That doesn't have to be your normal. Like Jesus is here and he's offering a brand new life that is so much better than this. In fact, he's offering us a brand new way how to be human. And in John 10, 10, he actually describes this where Jesus says, hey, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And I know that I share this scripture a lot at our church, but here's what I wanna encourage you with. Don't let that just bounce off your heart. Don't let your ears and your heart and your mind become numb to that text. Like what if that is what you could experience? 
What if you could live a life that you would describe as a more and better life? Because that's what Jesus came to offer. Because that says that the best life that you and I can ever live is actually found following Jesus, living life his way. And I want to show you an example in the Bible of these two different lifestyles, this hurry sickness combined with the life that Jesus offers. And I want you to see that even in the Bible, this was happening. So Luke chapter 10, let me share this one little small story and see if this resonates with you. Starting in verse 38, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations, all the work, all the things that had to be done. And she came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Just in a moment of honesty at church today, if I were to say, which one do you relate with more? Do you relate with Martha? Do you relate with Mary? How many of you would say, I relate to Martha? Like that is my life. Yeah, like I think so. I know I can relate to her. Like this is the life that many of us are actually living right now, busy and frantic and distracted and worried, constantly comparing ourselves to others. Here's what I find so fascinating that Martha, she was more focused on doing things for Jesus instead of being with Jesus. Like she was way more focused on like activity for Jesus rather than intimacy with Jesus. But Jesus, he stops everything and says, that's not what I want your life to look like. And that may surprise you because you're like, but she was doing things for God. But it's like, he says, no, no, no. I don't want your life to look like that. I want your life to look more like Mary. He even says that she's chosen, what she has chosen is better. Like she discovered something different, this more and better life. Please hear me today, church. Jesus offers us the solution. Yes, we have a problem. But the good news is, is that Jesus offers us a solution to our hurry sickness, this disease of lifestyle. And by the way, it is not more time. Jesus is not going to zap your calendar and all of a sudden you have more time. The truth is the solution to an overly busy life is not more time. We don't need more time. We need a brand new way how to live our lives. We need a new way to be human. And so today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, I just want to talk in this week two of this series. I want to talk to you about this subject, the great invitation. The great invitation, not, not an okay invitation not a good invitation. I wanna talk to you today about the great invitation. Let's pray. God, would you speak to us today? Um, We open up our lives to you, everything. 
And God, we do ask that when this is over, that we're different than when it started. God, we thank you that you are a speaking God. So would you speak to us today? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. How many of you, by show of hands here in the room and online, how many of you would say that you like to receive an invitation? Like there's something about it. Like doesn't it feel good to get invited somewhere? Doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it, so there's like something that's like, oh man, that's good for my soul when I get invited. Even if we don't want to go to that thing, we want to be invited to that thing, right? Come on, how many of you have ever gotten offended when you didn't get invited to something that truthfully you didn't even want to go to in the first place, but you didn't get invited and that bothered you? Well, if you're like me and you actually love invitations, I got some good news for you today. Jesus is right here, right now, and he is extending you, extending to you, not just a good invitation, but a great invitation. And here it is. This is the great invitation in Matthew chapter 11, in verse 28 through 30. And he says this, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, all of you with that hurry sickness, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The message paraphrase puts that same scriptures this way. Are you tired, worn out? burned out on religion, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Church, this is the great invitation. This is for all of those that are constantly spinning plates. This is for all who are constantly busy, always tired and burned out and stressed out, anxious and exhausted. This is for those who constantly turn to things like social media and Netflix or video games or porn or overworking or overeating or over drinking or hooking up or dating outs, dating apps or shopping or exercising or any other coping mechanism to escape your normal reality. This is for those who can never shut it off, who can never relax, who can never slow down. This is the great invitation from Jesus today where he says this, let this sink deep into your souls. Come to me. All who are weary and burdened. And I will, not that I might, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't there something about that that just seems right? 
almost like it's true. And for some of you, maybe you hear that and you're like, I want that. I want to experience that so bad. That sounds amazing. But one thing. What in the world is a yoke? I want that. It sounds right. It feels right. Well, what's a yoke? That's not really a word that we use often in 2023 outside of the gym. Like, dude, you see that guy at the squat rack? That dude is yoked. You know, that's, that's about it. Some of you are like, yeah, but isn't that the yellow thing that's in the egg? That's a yoke. Okay, that's a, that's a different, spelled different. Okay, different thing. So let's talk about what it is, because a yoke is actually a farming tool. That's what it is. I have a, actually have a picture. This is a yoke. This is a, like, the, it's the wooden device that goes on the shoulders of two oxen to keep them together so that they can plow in a straight line together. But in that day, the word yoke, it also had another meaning. Not only did it mean the farming tool, it also was a spiritual term. Because every Jewish rabbi, which was like a teacher, they would have a yoke, not a literal yoke. They weren't dragging to the synagogue this big wooden thing that they would put on people. That, they didn't have a literal yoke. They had a metaphorical yoke, which was the rabbi's specific way of interpreting the Torah, which was the Bible at that time. And it was also um, this, his specific teachings on how to live their lives. So when people would like take or accept a rabbi's yoke, it was like you were attaching yourself to that rabbi's teachings and their way of life. Let me say it another way. To take a rabbi's yoke meant to become that rabbi's follower. Another word that you see in the Bible is disciple. Another way that that can actually be translated is this word like apprentice. That, I, that I'm choosing when I take a yoke is I'm choosing to follow that way of life, those teachings and that way of life. So when Jesus, when he says, take my yoke, he's inviting you and I to become his follower. He's inviting you and I to become his disciple, his apprentice, to take on his way of life, to take on his teachings, to live like he lived, to do what he did, to talk like he talked, to prioritize what he prioritized, to treat people like he treated people, to spend your time like he spent his time, which means like when he's inviting you, here's another way to put it. It's like when he's inviting you to take up his yoke, it was like the, the old school way of the old school WWJD bracelets. Come on, how many of you are familiar with the WWJD bracelet? How many of you have ever had one of these? WWJD, yeah. How many of you had it in middle school? Okay, come on, let's go. Um, you guys help me out, okay? Online, help me out too. Uh, WWJD stands for, let's do that one more time. Let's make sure we're all awake. Okay. Now that everybody has the answer, if you didn't know, okay. WWJD stands for, yeah. So when you take his yoke, it's saying like in everything that I do in every situation, I'm WWJD. 
That's it. What would Jesus do? Every single area. What does the life, what does the teachings of Jesus say I should do right now? So in my marriage, in my parenting, in my dating, in my friends, in my, in my job, in my finances, in my words, in how I speak, in my social media, in my time, what would Jesus do? When someone offends me, hurts my feelings, leaves me out of something, how should I respond? What would Jesus do? When I have a thought, should I post this or not? Well, what would Jesus do? And it's asking yourself, like in the life and the teachings of Jesus, should I do this thing right here, right now and get this? And then you do it. That's what it means. Is that he gets to determine it. And then you do it, even if it's uncomfortable. Even if you don't understand, that's why he would choose what he chooses. Even if you don't want to, even if you were in charge, you would choose something else. Even if you disagree in every situation, every area of life, when I take up his yoke, it's saying, what would Jesus do? And to help you remember this, the people that came to church in person went through the blizzard to get to Withrow High School. We have got you something on the way out. We have got you a WWJD bracelet. Come on. Wear it proud this week. Hey, if you're online and you're like, I have children. Okay, don't judge me that I didn't come to church. Hey, we'll have some next week, okay? But I wanted to get you those so that all week long, not just on Sunday, but all week long, you can say, hey, whatever I'm doing, what would Jesus do? Because that's what it means to take up his yoke. That's the great invitation of Jesus today. He's saying, take my yoke, take my way of life and follow me. And then a few verses later in Matthew 11, he says something that would have been shocking in that day. He says something that would have made people be like, what? Did you hear what he just said? Because then he says that my yoke, my way of life is easy. See, people were used to rabbis having yokes. They were not used to rabbi having easy yokes. And so, but it's important for you to understand what that actually means when Jesus said that, because when he says it's easy, in the original language, it doesn't mean the opposite of hard. If you look at the original Greek language, that word easy, it can also be translated well-fitting. It's like when you take a dress or maybe a wedding dress or you take a suit and you take it to the tailor so that they can measure you and make sure that it fits perfectly to who you are. That's, what, that's, that's the imagery that Jesus is using here. He's saying that my way of life is tailor-made for you and your needs and everything that your soul is craving for, everything that you want. My way of life is tailor-made to fit your life. But I think it's really important before we end and we go about our week that I clarify a few things that I think are really important for us to make sure that we understand together. I'm gonna share three things. Please write these things down. Here's number one. 
that his easy yoke does not mean a boring life. Please understand this today. That his easy yoke does not mean a boring life. I think this is one of the reasons why some people don't follow Jesus. Because they have bought into a lie that the life that he has to offer is so boring. And maybe, come on church, maybe we haven't done the best example of showing that. I think some people think that, oh, I got to give my life to Jesus. I love Jesus, but I can give my life to him. That means I'm not going to have any more fun. Like my life is going to be boring. I want to encourage you, read through the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are the four eyewitness account of Jesus' time on planet earth. Here's what you'll find. Jesus' life was not boring. He didn't just sit around and read the Bible all day. He didn't pray all day. That's not what he did. He didn't just meditate and just think on the things of God all day long. He didn't do that. He didn't frolic through some wheat fields all day long. I don't know why I did that, but um, he didn't just lazily sit around all day long, just bored and twiddling his thumbs all day long. If you look at Jesus's life, you will find that his schedule was full. Like his life had a lot of amazing things in it. He was constantly meeting new people and healing the sick and performing miracles, casting out demons, preaching and teaching. He was traveling from town to town, having meaningful conversations and training his disciples. He was gathering crowds, big groups of people. He was going to weddings. He was going to dinner parties. He was playing with kids and listen, Kids don't like to play with boring people. They don't. His schedule was packed. It was full just like us, yet he did it so differently than us. His schedule was full, but somehow he seemed to never be in a hurry. He was a master at just being in the moment right where he was. He was always present. He was never distracted by that which was next. Could you ever imagine Jesus looking down at his phone? Just being like, uh-huh, yep, yeah, what's that? Okay, cool, yeah. Like never. He was so locked in. He was so present. He was, life was full, but he was never in a hurry. Like, have you ever noticed that interruptions never seem to bother him? In fact, half the stories in the gospels are interruptions. <laughs> Those things that, when he started that day was not on his calendar. But yet somehow he was always present right there in that moment. Like he lived a full life. And according to John 10, 10 in the New International Version, in that translation, not only did he live a full life, he invites us to live a life that is considered to the full. Not only did he live that type of life, the great invitation is that you can experience that type of life. But let me tell you one of my concerns as a pastor in this series. One of my concerns, my greatest concern going into this series and teaching through this content is that you will hear these teachings in this series. You will feel deep conviction that I want to deal with the hurry sickness in my life and I realize that this is not what God wants and you'll swing the pendulum from one unhealthy extreme being always busy to another unhealthy extreme 
always be bored out of your mind or even lazy. That you'll swing the pendulum from I'm doing everything to now I'm doing nothing. I call it the old overcorrect. So I go from here and I realize I have deep conviction that I need to change my life. So I'm going to swing all the way to the other side. And listen, that's not what he's saying. He doesn't want you on either extreme. He wants you right here. He wants you to live your life right there. See, following Jesus doesn't mean life is boring. No, it's just the opposite. He says, following me can actually be described as life to the full, abundant life. See, his easy yoke does not mean a boring life. Here's number two. Write this down, that his easy yoke does not mean an easy life. It's so important that we understand that because that's not what he's saying, that his easy yoke does not mean an easy life. I challenge you to read through this book, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. You will not find one verse that says we're promised an easy life. Listen, church, an easy life is a myth. Life is hard, period. And maybe you're watching or you're here and you're like, Pastor Brian, come on, man, it's Sunday. Can you be more positive? Yes, I can. I am positive that life is hard, period, (laughs) okay? Like, we cannot hide from hard things. We cannot stop bad days. We cannot escape hurt, pain, heartbreak, loss, death, unexpected diagnosis or sickness. We cannot stop crisis or things breaking. We cannot stop furnaces needing to be replaced. Like what happened to me this week? Like we cannot escape dips in the economy. We cannot escape pandemics. Come on, we all know about that. Jesus never says, hey guys, follow me and life will be easy. Like somehow following Jesus is like this protective spiritual bubble wrap that protects us from going through hard things or bad days. That's not what Jesus says. In fact, read this, Jesus says the exact opposite. He says this in John 16, verse 33, he says, in this world, and that's what's the important part, in this world, on this side of heaven, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It's like Jesus is saying, guys, I cannot promise you that you won't experience some hard days or some bad things. But I can promise that if you follow me, if you take up my yoke, you can go through them differently. And he says like, man, listen, an easy life isn't an option. I'm sorry, it's not. But an easy yoke is. His easy yoke does not mean an easy life. Here's the last one. We have to understand this. I got to bring clarity to this. Number three, his easy yoke requires you to be all in. It does. All in. Another way to put it is 100%. Requires you to be all in. Now, let me address maybe a question that you're like asking in your mind right now. Maybe it's even the elephant in the room. What if you hear this great invitation 
from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. And you hear those words and you're thinking, but I am a follower of Jesus, I think. I raised my hand, I prayed a prayer, I walked an aisle, I got dunked in water. I've given my life to Jesus. I've done that, but honestly, I'm tired. I'm exhausted, I'm weary, I'm worn out, I'm burnt out. Like, what is up with that? Can you explain that to me? Like, what am I missing? And let me just tell you, it is more than just a one-time decision. It is more than just a one-time raising your hand, walking an aisle, praying a prayer. It's more than that. That's called, the theological word for that is salvation. And everything starts there. It is the moment where you start the relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's you start it for the very first time or you restart it after you've been far from God. But it's that moment where it's saying, hey, right here, right now, I recognize, I give you my life and I receive the free gift of grace. And that is so important. Everything starts there. And so if you've never done that, Like, please deal with that first. In fact, I'm gonna give you an opportunity in just a few minutes at the very end of this message. But what we're talking about, where Jesus says, take up my yoke and follow me, what we're talking about that is the life that you live after you make that decision. After you start the relationship with Jesus. See, salvation, receiving grace is a moment, but following Jesus is a lifestyle. Let me put it this way. If you want to experience the life of Jesus on this side of heaven, you have to fully adopt the life of Jesus. You can't have the life without the lifestyle. So if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to fully adopt the life of Jesus. And unlike salvation, that is not a one-time decision. That is a decision that we have to make every single day. I've been following Jesus for 23 years. And every day this morning, first thing I did, God, I give you my life all over again. I follow you today. I lay aside my life, my desire, my will, my ways, and I follow you today. And you know what I'm going to have to do today? When my flesh starts to stir up in the middle of that game, Jesus, I give you my life all over. That's not a one-time decision. We got to make it over and over and over and over every day, sometimes multiple times a day. It's saying, God, I give you my life. Like, Like Romans 12, where it says, I give you my life as a living sacrifice. Everything, all that I am, I give you my life. That is something all about. But what Jesus is saying, he said, you cannot have that life. You cannot have the more and better life without the lifestyle. And so maybe the reality is you want that life, but you're not willing and you have never been willing to fully adopt the lifestyle. There may be areas of your life that you still aren't willing to give to him or to let him in or to let him speak into those things or to let him guide you in those things. And maybe you've given him everything, but there's that one thing, that one part of life that you don't want to give up And I just love you enough to tell you the truth. You cannot have the life without the lifestyle. It's like saying, I want to lose weight, but I still want to eat whatever I want, whenever I want. It just doesn't work that way. 
It's like, I want to get in shape, but I don't want to exercise. It just doesn't work like that. And it's the same with following Jesus. You cannot have the life, the more and better full life that he comes to offer us this side of heaven without the lifestyle and all of it. Not just 50%, not just for a few hours on a Sunday, not 90%, not 99%, everything but this one little area. No. If you want the life, you got the lifestyle all in. That's why Jesus says this in Mark chapter eight. And we talked about this at first conference. We kind of broke this down. That's why he says this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your ways, which are selfish. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on, to your life, even if it's 1%, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, all of it, 100%, all in for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Here's the truth. That, that only works if you're all in. That only works at 100%. And maybe right now you're not experiencing that more and better life. You're not experiencing that life because maybe you have it fully, 100% gone all in. Here's what uh, the author put this in the book. I thought it was so good. I just felt like I just needed to read this verbatim. Here's what it says. Your life is the byproduct of your lifestyle. By life, I mean your experience of the human condition. And by lifestyle, I mean the rhythms and the routines that make up your day-to-day -day existence, the way you organize your time, spend your money. There's a saying in business literature that I love. Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. Usually this is applied to widgets in the bottom line, but I love it for life as a whole. If the results you are getting are lousy, Anxiety at a simmer, mild depression, high levels of stress, chronic emotional burnout, little to no sense of the presence of God and an inability to focus your mood on the things that make for life. Then the odds are very good that something about the system that is your life is off kilter. The way you're organizing your morning or evening routine, your schedule, your budget, your relationship to your phone, how you manage your resources of time, money and attention, etc. something is out of whack. It's often quoted that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But that's exactly what we do. We get a vision of the kind of life that is possible in Jesus we go to church or read a book or listen to a podcast. We catch a glimpse of the kind of life we ache for. One of emotional health and spiritual life. Our gut immediately says, yes, God, I want that life. We head home from church with all the willpower that we can muster and set out to change. But then we go right back 
to living the exact same lifestyle and nothing changes. It's the same cycle on repeat, stress, tiredness, distraction. We feel stuck yet again. And then we wonder, what am I missing? This method of change simply does not work. What does, honestly, the solution is very, very simple. If you want to experience the life to the full of Jesus, his nonstop conscious enjoyment of God's presence and world, all you have to do is to adopt not only his theology and ethics, but also his lifestyle. Just follow his way. Now, when you study the lifestyle of Jesus, you will see that Jesus had these consistent rhythms to his life. When you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the life of Jesus, you see he had these rhythms, these practices, maybe these disciplines that he would do over and over again that would allow him to live this life that he could describe as life to the full without it being an overly busy, hurry sickness type of life. I love the message when it says this in verse 29, it says in in Matthew chapter 11, like as it calls it the unforced rhythms of grace. And Jesus says, I want you to learn these. I want you to learn these unforced rhythms of grace that I have in my life, these patterns, these disciplines, and I want you to implement them in your day-to-day life so that you can experience the life that I'm experiencing right now. So that you can like take up my yoke. I want you to see how to live your life so that you can experience the life that I have for you. So the big question is, What are those unforced rhythms of grace? What are those patterns, those rhythms that led to that type of lifestyle? Well, we'll talk about that over the next three weeks. I'm sorry, I ran out of time. Usan is playing keys so beautifully behind me and I've got to wrap this thing up. But over the next three weeks, we're going to learn practically what are some of these unforced rhythms that we can actually implement in our lives. That when we prioritize that, when we live how he lived, when we take up his yoke, his way of life, we can experience what he came to pay for. That we can experience a brand new way how to be human. I want you to bow your head. And close your eyes and whether you're watching online, you're in the room, we want to create some space to just hear from God. So if you're here, I want you to just pray this prayer. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we just say, God, what are you saying to me today? What are you speaking to me? Maybe ask him this, what does my response need to be to this message? Maybe ask him, for like a tangible next step. And maybe you're here and if you were to take a look 
at your relationship with God, right now you don't even have one. Right now that seems so foreign to you. Maybe you've never given him your life. Maybe you have at one time, but now you find yourself here. Maybe you're watching online. You just feel so far from God. For you, let me just tell you what your step is. Your step is what we talked about, that initial, I give you my life. I receive your grace. You gotta do that first, deal with that first, and then we can learn how to follow him. He wants that. He wants your heart before he wants you to pick up his yoke. And if you're here and that's you, if you know that, man, I need to get right with God today, whether it's for the first time or it's all over again, I wanna pray with you. I just wanna lead you in a simple prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, if today you know that that's your decision, you don't need to leave this service without getting right with God. I'm gonna ask you as a sign of faith on the count of three to be able to raise your hand up in the air and say, will you include me in that prayer? It's a step of faith. It's not for me, it's for God. It's literally a step of humbly saying, I need you. I need you. Like the chorus of the song that we sang, I need you. And if you're here and that's you, on the count of three, whether it's for the first time or whether it's all over again, maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus. If that's you on the count of three, boldly put your hand up in the air. One, two, three. If that's you, you can raise it up high. Raise it up, raise it up. I got you. It's awesome. Anybody else? It's great. It's awesome. If you're at home watching online, if that's you, just right where you're at, just raise your hand and say, that's me. You can put your hand down and just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I give you my life. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. And right now I ask that you come live inside me. And Will you change me and make me brand new? I surrender everything to you. And I give you my life. And today I make the choice to receive your grace, to receive your forgiveness, to receive a fresh start. And today I make the decision at the start of this journey to follow you the rest of my days. Thank you so much for Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for the great invitation. And it's through the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said aloud, amen. Come on, will you clap your hands? Come on and celebrate. Come on with those that made that decision today. That's great. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.